It's time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Right now, we're in the middle of a series about how to raise thriving children. So as we talk about today's topic, we want to talk about the ingredients that we put into raising a thriving child, the the ingredients that we want to put into that child to actually bring out of that child. Remember that parenting is that long-range kind of process. You, you don't really know where you're going to be really in, in just a few years. You don't know after five years or 10 years or 15 years or even 20 years or not necessarily even after 25 years. Sometimes it takes a long time to come to fruition. So if it helps you think about that long term, I want to tell you a little bit of story. I'm not sure if it's completely true, but it sure makes the point. And the point is that in 1379, Oxford University in England was built. 1379. Think how long ago that was. That About a century ago, the custodians were working on the building and realized that the great beams, the great oak beams that were at the top of the buildings, the main structure of New College, which was obviously not any longer new, had become beetle-infested. That's just what happens to oak beams after they've been left long enough. And those oak beams were beginning to show their, uh, their, their, prop, their age, and the, the beetles were eating through them, and it was beginning to be a danger to the structure. And so they decided that they needed to replace those beams. The problem is those beams are massive pieces of oak, And you have to find massive oaks to create the massive pieces of oaks. And so they wondered where they were going to find those big oaks to build it. So the story goes that they began to look around and couldn't find the oaks that they needed of the right size. They just weren't old enough at that point. And so they brought in the forester of the college. And the forester of the college was out there taking care of the lands that the, the college owned. And so he wasn't coming in to see the structure and didn't know about the problems in the beams. And so they said, hey, do you have any idea where we might be able to find these oaks that are big enough to give us these beams? And According to the story, the forester said, well, I was wondering when you were going to ask. As it turned out, when the people were beginning to build the university, they planted an oak grove away from the school because they knew that one day those beams would need to be replaced. And so for generation after generation after generation of forester, the foresters had been told, don't touch those oaks, let them grow. The other trees they used for other projects, but the oaks were off limits. And the foresters were just waiting for the day when somebody would call upon them to say, hey, we need the oaks. So here they were centuries later, waiting for that time when it was ready, when the oaks were ready. And that's the thing. This was the long-term vision. Somebody early on said, you know what? This is going to be needed down the road. Not right now, but down the road we're going to need it, so we've got to make sure that we've taken care of it. I want you to think about that in terms of parenting, because a lot of times the day-to-day moments of parenting is kind of like the day-to-day life of a college. You don't think about those long-term plans, but it all adds up to looking far down the road, to thinking about what you want out of your child, of what you want your child to be. When I talk to parents, I, I say, you know, what, what is it you want for your child down the, down the road? What, how do you want them to be? And 
they usually tell me about they want them to be responsible adults who respect the world, who are doing great things in the world, who are using their resources and are bettering the world while being their best self. That's something that I get from them. And so that's caused me to think about what's necessary to get there. What are the pieces of the puzzle? Now, let me just first say that I've been through the parenting thing. Uh, my, both of my children are now young adults. And so I can tell you that I know that day-to-day prospect, the day-to-day moments when you are at your wit's end and you, you feel like you just want to take the easy answer out. You know, it's easy to, to give in to the difficult moments. It's easy to try to, to make sure that your child is off the hook uh, when they get in trouble. It's easy uh, to just say, you know, we've got to get through this day. But those moments of getting through this day add up. And so while I know about the struggles of day-to-day and the fact that many times we're parenting by the seat of our pants and really trying to just hold on for dear life, I think there are some pieces that we might want to think about about those opportunities for growth. Because I believe that all of the opportunities for growth come at moments of struggle, of challenge. There are plenty of opportunities uh, of kind of finding your your rest, right? And that is the the rhythm of life, of resting and growing and resting and growing and resting and growing. And you can kind of think about that as the moments when you, for instance, would be climbing a mountain. People who go up Mount Everest don't just go straight up the mountain. They pause along the way. They catch their breath. They get used to the surroundings, to the new place. And it's the same with us as parents, and it's the same with us as with kids. Our kids are going to hit times when they just need to take a break, take a breather, to, to back off a little bit. But those aren't the growth points. The growth points are in the moments of challenge. So I think there are some ingredients that we can bring into the process, and, and I've tried to help you remember these ingredients uh, by kind of doing what I often like to do, uh, and that's, that's make sure that there's some alliteration to it. So here are your ingredients that we're going to bring in. Responsibility, respect or regard, resilience, resourcefulness, and reflection. Those are the five ingredients that I I believe are necessary for a child to be moving towards and therefore for a parent to be parenting toward in order to allow a child to be building a thriving life when they're on their own. Because after all, that's the goal of parenting, to have that child on their own, doing their best and finding their best way through life, having already gathered those, um, those skills along the way. Last week, I talked about the fact that Most parents underestimate the influence they have on their kids. And I also pointed to the fact that in the rest of the animal kingdom, that all of the animals learn by example of watching, at least the ones that have have the parent animal sticking around for a while, they learn by watching. And a lot of times when, uh, if a baby is removed from the parent's in the animal kingdom, that that baby can't develop into a healthy adult because it hasn't learned the skills. You might know about this from animals that are rescued and therefore uh, don't learn to hunt or take care of themselves and from then on have to be taken care of by humans. But it also happens in other more subtle ways and and how the animals don't know how to interact with, with other in their same species or even other animals. And, and so they are at a disadvantage. 
And so as we think about that, we need to think about the fact that our kids really are watching us to see what examples we create. And so at the same time I name those pieces I recognize for myself, that my struggle is always to move further and further into responsibility and respect or regard and being resilient and finding resourcefulness and reflection along the way, not just so that I can pass it on to my kids, but so that I can thrive more and more in my life. So let's talk a little bit about each of these elements as they go. First, let's talk about responsibility. Responsibility is action. There's an A attached to all of these words. So responsibility is about action, how you act in the world. Do you react to the world or do you respond to the world? Do you choose to take on responsibility or do you shirk responsibility? And how do parents fit into that? One of the things I've noticed many times is how often parents want to rescue their kids from difficult times. Maybe something happens at school, things aren't going well, classes aren't going well, and parents want to find somebody else to blame. The teacher's not teaching right, the school's not fair, uh, there are barriers to the child, and along the way, that child learns one lesson, I'm not responsible. Now, let me say that it is entirely possible to have a bad teacher, and it's entirely possible uh, for a child to, for whatever reason, be getting kind of the short end of the stick. But it does not serve the child to be able to excuse everything along the way. What I've noticed is that when parents keep a child from being responsible, the stakes keep getting higher. What in childhood could have been learned as a simple lesson in responsibility is pushed off for a belief that the child is, is never the one responsible. It's never the child's fault. And so along the way, the stakes get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it's an ender for them. Not maybe a life ender, but opportunity ender. Have a family member who is in the, uh, the financial services industry, and, and he, he and I were at a conference together about that, and they talked about these career-ending mistakes, career-ending mistakes, and I thought, wow, well, that's a, an inter- interesting term. A career-ending mistake is something you might do in a plan uh, that all comes back to you for very bad advice or, or ethically uh, or wrong or, or breaks the law or some other element that ends your career. You lose your license. You can't move forward. And so in our own lives, it may not be a career-ending mistake we're thinking about, but for our kids, opportunity-ending mistakes. Sometimes kids get themselves into a place where the opportunities close off because they haven't learned to be responsible along the way. And so part of our task as parents is to allow a child to be held responsible when they need to be held. That doesn't mean that everything in life you automatically see as being their fault. But the question is always, how can you respond to this? They have a rough teacher. How do they respond? Because guess what? Down the road, there are going to be other rough people in their lives. There are going to be other coworkers or bosses or subordinates that are rough to deal with. So we need to learn to do that along the way. And responsibility is not about blame. It's about choosing action. So it's possible to have a discussion with a child saying, I know this doesn't seem fair, but this is something that you've got to get through. This class you've got to get through, this year you've got to get through, this coach you've got to get through, this whatever you've got to get through. So how can we do that so that you're choosing your action, so that you get to choose how you move forward? That's about having them accept responsibility. It's not about blame. 
but about actions they can take. Responsibility, I love the word, the ability to respond. Teaching a child that they have an ability to respond to any situation is about teaching them a little formula. Uh, Jack Canfield talks about this formula that he got uh, from another uh, person, another doctor. And this formula is E plus R equals O. E plus R equals O. E is the event. Something happens. O is the outcome. So the event is always external to us. Something happens to us. Outcome is the end result. And in between is our response. And the response changes the event to the outcome. So if we want a certain outcome and an, an event is happening, we choose our response to get there. If something keeps happening in our life and we don't like how it ends, we change our response. A lot of times we as parents and we as citizens of the world believe E equals O. Whatever that event is, is just the outcome. There's nothing we can do about it. Some people believe that they get to determine everything in their life. And in reality, the truth is in between. That an event happens. We can't do anything about that event, but we can choose our response, which changes the outcome. The second one, respect or regard. This is about appreciation. Appreciation is realizing that we all have uh, some places that you know, we, we're just fortunate to be. And so one of the things I know is that if you're listening to a podcast, if you're somewhere you can listen to a podcast, you're already fortunate in the world standard. You're already near the top in the world standard. And the problem is sometimes we don't live that out. We don't appreciate that fact. Instead, we get stuck in a place of, of feeling of scarcity. And we can pass that on to our kids. But respect and regard is thinking well of others and thinking appreciatively of where we are in the world. It's both of those together. Sometimes people believe themselves to be better than everyone else. And that's part of the culture that you're probably watching around you of the narcissism of our culture. A narcissism of our culture, and we're going to talk about this in another, another podcast, begins to infect people and make them believe that they are at a higher point than somebody else. Even if the only reason they're at that point is just dumb luck, just you know, the fortune of genetics or fortune of where they were born or fortune of, of lots of other circumstances in life. And a lot of times people lose track of that and believe that they are the main purpose in the world, and they are the ones that uh, should benefit from whatever. And unfortunately, that creates a disrespect, a disregard, and a lack of appreciation. So part of our task as parents, I believe, is to teach our kids to be respectful and give regard to other things, to, to other people, to the environment, to the world, to leaders, to subordinates, in all areas, to be able to look respectfully at others. Now, let me draw a distinction between acting with respect and necessarily feeling like somebody's earned your respect. Those are two very different things. I think you can always choose to be respectful and give regard. Sometimes, though, somebody, you could say, well, they didn't earn my respect. That's a different level. 
And even if somebody hasn't earned respect, I believe they deserve respect. And so part of what we're teaching by example, by the way we move through the world and by the way we help our children understand circumstances is to see that there's always a place for appreciation, something we're going to talk about another time, and always a place for respect and regard of other people. The next R, resilience, is about attitude, a belief that I can bounce back no matter what happens to me. I'll figure this out. I'll move forward. That's the attitude we create. And so when tough times happen, to be able to to help a child pick themselves up and help a child recognize that while it's tough right now, they can keep moving forward with an attitude of resilience. We talked about resilience in a couple of other uh, podcasts uh, of how that resilience is built in taking on the challenges. Resilience is realizing that life is about challenges and overcoming the challenges. That when we begin to believe that life should not be about challenges, then we feel like it's unfair when a challenge happens. But if we're resilient, if we we take on those tough times, recognizing that tough times is part of the puzzle, and we're working through it to figure out how to keep moving through, that's an attitude of resilience that we create that then allows us to be, the next R, resourceful. Resourcefulness is about approach. And this is one of those approaches that really fits into uh, changing from away from a failure model to an experiment model. And I think this is one of those big shifts we, we need to teach our kids, to see life as an experiment, not as failure or success, but as experiments, as data points along the way. So you try something out. It doesn't work. You change directions. We recently had to replace one of our cars, and my wife said, you know, we act as if we're going to be buying this car for the rest of our lives. If we don't like it, we can get rid of it in a few years. And sometimes we act as if everything is, is kind of the, the penultimate decision, that we're stuck in this decision that's going to decide everything. Many times we can try something, and if it doesn't work, back out and try something else. Whenever we make the big decisions, you know, what we choose, for instance, if you go to medical school, you're probably not going to go to law school, uh, and some other big decisions, you might cut off some, some options, but other options open. And so teaching kids that life is about seeing things as experiments not as failures and successes, but experiments and understandings. And so we learn from our failures. We learn from our data points that didn't work out. And we capitalize on our successes. And that creates a resourcefulness. And so the question that we want to help our kids understand is, that didn't work, what can I do now? That didn't work, what's the other way? Because there's always another way as long as we're looking for resourcefulness and teaching that there are many methods to get to the same end result. And the last one is so important is reflection. Reflection is helping kids think about what's going on in a way that helps them learn from the experience. Sometimes we don't want to look at what's going on. We don't want to reflect on where we are, but That's one of the best ways of learning from the experience. If there is an experience there, we would do well to learn from it. And reflection allows us to do that, to step back and say, what went well, what didn't go well? One of my moments of of clarity was working with a group of Boy Scouts. My, My son was in the Boy Scouts, and they helped with the leadership council. And we had a practice at every council meeting uh, that we practiced the uh, start, stop, and continue process. And it was a constant reflection. What are the things that we need to start doing? 
What are the things we need to stop doing? And what are the things we need to continue? And that was a reflection based on what was going on with the group. And it's possible that we we would decide to continue something one year and come back the next year and decide that we're no longer at that place. And because we were not stuck in a model that we just have to go this way, we always have to do it this way, we were able to reflect on it and decide how we would become resourceful about it. We always did that in a way that was about the resilience of the troop, of how we could move forward healthily, that showed respect and regard to everybody there and held everyone responsible for the path that we were choosing. Remember these ingredients as you start thinking about that long-term approach of where you want to get to. It's, it's hard in the moments, I know, but you know, sometimes it's easy to lose our way in the day-to-day activities of parenting. But think about this, responsibility, which is about the actions. Respect and regard, which is really about appreciation. Resilience, which is really about an attitude. Resourcefulness, resourcefulness which is about having an approach. And reflection, which is about assessment. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best for a thriving life. You've been listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it.